Welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite violet-haired metamorph magus, Miss Tonks. Metamorph magus? <laughs> yeah. Metamorph. I say metamorphagus. No, there's an M there. If you look on the wiki, it's M-E-T-A-M-O-R-P-H-M-A-G-U-S. What? <laughs> Wait. I I think, like, there's a difference in, like, they are and, like, the name of the ability. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my mind is blown. See, I was right. Metamorphic. I guess. Metamorph Magus. Metamorph Magus. Metamorph Magus. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yep. Metamorph Magus. I've never said like, it that way. Uh, I think I've said Metamorph, metamorph Magus. Oh. Jim Dale says metamorph magus. Yeah, that's just a difference in, like, the vowel sound you're making. I think when I wrote it, I wrote metamorphagus because it just looks right. Yeah. Hmm. How did I type it earlier? It definitely has a line underneath it. I typed it, and it had a line underneath it, but I didn't type it correctly, and then I added an M, and it didn't have a line underneath it. Mm. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> we're talking about Tonks. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Miss Nymphador Tonks. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So her name is Nymphadora Tonks. And Nymphadora means gift of the nymphs, literally. And nymphs are nature spirits and minor deities in Greek mythology. And during the Renaissance, they were equated with elves. So, if we read it as Gift of the Elves, it reminds us of ancient myths where elves stole babies and then replaced them with these, like, changeling monsters. So, they, like, looked like babies, but they, like, changed into monsters or vice versa. And then another interpretation is that nymph is the word for the immature stage of the dragonfly before it metamorphosizes into an adult (laughs) Um, and so both of these hint at her metamorph magus, metamorph magus, metamorph magus, um, ability to change her appearance. And then her last name, Tonks, can mean fool or idiot or a powerful hit or strike. And this could hint at her clumsiness. Uh, Tonks is also the name of a notable British painter, art, art teacher, and surgeon, Henry Tonks who combined his artistic and surgical background to record exact images of the various types of facial injuries that occurred among soldiers during uh, World War II? One? I deleted the number I had next to it. (laughs) I think it might have been one. But who knows. Um, And so this could reference her ability to change her facial features. Interesting. 
Um, her birthday is sometime between September 1st of 1972 and August 31st of 1973. And then this is based on her timeline. Um, so we know that like right after Hogwarts, she like qualified to be an aura. She did three years of training and became a full aura. This is later in my notes, but I think in 1994. So working backwards from that, we know which year she should have started Hogwarts. Thus, this is the birth range that we give her. Um, this means that she graduated Hogwarts in 91. And then this was the year before Harry started. So they that's like how close in age they were. I think that's like never really talked about much in yeah, the Yeah, they're books, only seven least, years apart. Yeah, like it's not um, like explicitly said anywhere really like how close they are in age. But they're pretty close. And this was also this she was in the same year as Charlie um, there's no evidence to say that she knew him, but she probably did because, like, how we see in Harry's time, they share classes with all, like, the houses that are their same year, so she at least had some classes with him. Yeah. So. And I'm they, sure they knew of each other. Yeah, and, like, he played Quidditch, so, like, that's also, like, he was a makes stud. him a cool guy in <laughs> <laughs> Uh. So, yeah. Yeah. So she, oh, also it was World War One. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, before we move on, we don't know, like, there's no um, evidence to say that Tonks played Quidditch either. Headcanon. But I feel like she may have. Because the way that, that she, she was a t- chaser. Oh, okay. Because, like, the way that she talks to Harry about, like, his broomstick, she's like, oh, man, that's the fireball. Like, yeah. I'm still riding this, like, Comet 260 or whatever she says. So, like, obviously she's, like, keeping up on her, like, broom knowledge. And for Christmas, in Order of the Phoenix, she gives Harry, like, a model light or fireball. Um, I don't know. I just get the feeling that, like, she knows more about brooms and, like, cares more about it than maybe, like, somebody who didn't quite play Quidditch. Mm. What position would you place her in? I don't know. I could see her being a chaser. Like, I don't think that... Well, I don't know. She's so clumsy, like, maybe catching the ball and Oh, that's it true. Maybe she best. always wanted to play Quidditch, but she was never that good enough because she was clumsy. That's also a great possibility. But, like, mm-hmm. just because you're clumsy doesn't mean you have bad, like, hand-eye coordination. Like, she's yeah. not running yeah. around. So maybe it maybe it's better. I don't know. Yeah. I could see her being a chaser. I don't. I couldn't okay. see her being a keeper, or a seeker. No, and a beater. Like I don't know. I, we don't know. Like I don't know much She's about. She's not like, like her, big enough. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like I don't know if we know too much about like her f- body frame, yeah. like build, to make to make me confident that she could be a beater. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so she died May second, nineteen ninety eight, during the Battle of Hogwarts. And this makes her only 24 or 25, depending on when her birthday is, when she died, which is crazy. It's so young. Very sad. 24 or 25 with, like, a newborn baby. (sighs) Yeah. Rip. Her father and son's name is actually Edward. Fun fact. Maybe I'll make this Katie's trivia corner. Yeah. Yeah. So... Both her father and Teddy Lupin, her son, their real name is Edward, but they go both go by Ted or Teddy. That's a British thing, I think. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't doubt it. I just, like, for the longest time, 
when I found out his real name was Edward, I'm like, stop. You're joking. I know. That was, like, maybe, like, a year or two ago, and I just remember yeah. being so shocked. And I remember, like, I think it was just, like, home, and I went I went down to my parents, and I was like, did you know that Ted is a nickname for <laughs> Edward? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I guess I always just assumed that, like, his real name was Theodore. Yeah. But it's not, well, it's and Edward. When Lupin, like, comes to the Shell Cottage to tell the the order about the birth, he just says Teddy Remus Lupin. So I think they were always going to call him Teddy. Yeah. But, like, he says his whole name, except, like, he doesn't say, he says a nickname, but then his middle name. It's like, yeah, that's okay. like saying Katie and then my middle name and last name. It, like, doesn't sound good. Yeah. That's weird. why you have a full name to make your name sound better. <laughs> then you can go by a nickname. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then her mother's name is Andromeda Tonks, who, before she was married, her last name was Black. So she is Narcissa and Bellatrix's sister. And so that makes cousin. Yeah. So Tonks, Tonks's aunts are Narcissa and Bellatrix. Mm-hmm. And then Sirius is their cousin. Yes. So that makes Tonks and Sirius, what do we say? First, First cousins cousin once removed. Once removed yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ted Tonks, her father, um, was a muggle born wizard and he died in March of 1998 while on the run. Because we see him and Griphook and Dean and one other goblin i want to say it's gornuk but i think i might just be it's gornuk it's li- oh, okay. i literally wrote it in the notes for you oh and Dirk it's, Creswell. Right, it's farther down um and Dirk Creswell. there we go um they were like we there's a scene where harry's like fishing and he like stumbles upon their campfire and we know that they're alive but then later we meet dean again at malfoy manor and he tell i think he's the one who like tells us that ted tongue side or maybe they hear on potter watch one of the two. Uh, I, I think it's on Potter Watch, actually. I don't know, because it, it's shortly before Harry and co. meet up with Dean. And, like, it's the same Snatchers, right? Yeah. Don't, like, the Snatchers come and everybody except for Dean and Gripook resist capture. So they all die. Like, Dirk, Gornuck, and Ted die. And then those same Snatchers still have Dean and Gripook. Mm. Or no, do they still have them in the... In the movies, Dean and Gripok are in the already in jail at Malfoy Manor, but I think yeah. in the books they might still have them. Hmm, let me see. Yeah, so the death of Ted Tonks and his comrades was announced on Potter Watch. Oh, okay. Um So I think there is a longer period of time in between then, maybe? I don't know. Cause this just says So this is in March of 1998 when he was killed. Yeah, which is before, like, right before Harry and co are. Like, they're captured in March of 98 as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were... So Dean and Griphook were prisoners of the Snatcher when Harry said Voldemort's name and the Snatchers, like, found them. So they... Like, Dean and Gripook, I think, were still there. Yeah. Um, so they must have... Potterwatch must have, like, found out really quickly. I assume, like, they found their body somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. 
so yeah so that's ted tonks and then obviously um tonks went on to name her child after him and then andromeda was her mother and she's a pure blood and when she married ted who was a muggle-born the family disowned her and it was seen as this like great shame um and i'll talk about that a little bit later when i talk about bellatrix and talks okay (laughs) foreshadowing um so Tonks's skills were that she was a metamorphmagus and that's a witch or wizard with the rare ability to change their physical appearance at will rather than requiring a polyjuice potion or a spell like the rest of the wizarding population um and it's thought that this has a genetic component although it's not entirely genetic because both Tonks and her son are metamorphmagi metamorphmagi but neither of her parents are and we don't know if anyone like in the black family that is her house is Hufflepuff. She was in Hufflepuff in Hogwarts. <laughs> and then her Patronus, uh, kind of a lot of information on this because it was originally a jackrabbit pre-1995. And then it changed to become a wolf. So I've included the um, I've included the descriptions of both of these Patronuses because I think they both kind of fit her pretty well. So the rabbit, um, there is a purity to the rabbit, one that is incredibly rare. These people, no matter how cynical or bitter ideas the world may give them, will always have a curious innocence about them. The world interests them greatly, and they want to explore it without being judged harshly. They are very sensitive and emotional and are not embarrassed to show this. They can lack confidence at times because they may have others put them down and make them feel like they are not as strong as everyone else. This is untrue. Those with this Patronus have beautiful hearts and serene souls deep within them no matter what else goes on in their life. They need to hold on to this to find their true happiness. The most common house for the rabbit Patronus is Hufflepuff. The most common signs are Cancer and Libra. Uh, and that meaning comes from Patronabum on Tumblr. So I think that fits Tonks pretty well. She's like this lighthearted, free spirit, um, definitely like sensitive and emotional as we see with her relationship with Remus. Uh, but I think it kind of like captures her pretty well. And then we know that her Patronus turns into a wolf um, when she falls in love with Remus. And the description for a wolf is the wolf is a bit bit of a darker and mysterious soul with the strength of a fighter a person with this patronus has had a lot of uh, has had a lot happen in their life and due to that they wear a mask over their emotions they do however have a very big heart that is full of both passion and fire they have a lot of emotion within them that they are willing to give but once only once they completely trust you and since they have been made cynical over the years this can be difficult the most common house for wolf patronus is gryffindor the most common signs are taurus and sagittarius so I mean, it's heavily implied, and I think maybe even stated by JK at some point, that her Patronus changed because of her love for Remus, like, because that is Remus's Patronus, but I also wonder if it changed just because, like, she kind of changed into a bit of this, like, more darker, mysterious person with, like, her love for Remus and, like, kind of the adversity that she faced in their relationship, because I think it takes away the, like, innocence and purity that we hear the rabbit description talk about. I like that. That's very interesting. Her Bogart, as per Hogwarts Mystery Year 3, is 
um, her, but just without her ability, so losing her abilities. There's a lot of information on the wiki that comes straight from Hogwarts Mystery. I did not include any of that in any of my notes. Um, not that I don't, not that I didn't, because like I said, or like I've said before, I played it later, a lot longer than most people, (laughs) and I found the storyline very interesting, and I hope that, like, once it's done, I'll probably, like, go back and, like, read some of these wikias to see what happened, um, but I don't consider it canon, per se. No. Um, what year did you get to? I think I was in year five. Year four or five, I think. I think I only made it to two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, for her first mention, we first meet Tonks at Privet Drive in Order of the Phoenix when they are coming to pick Harry up and take him to Grim Old Place after he attacks the Dementor and gets the letter of expulsion, and then subsequently the letter notifying him that he's no longer expelled but has to attend a hearing. So, it's just really quick, but it says... Ooh, he looks just like I thought he would, said the witch who was holding her lit wand aloft. She looked the youngest there. She had a pale, heart-shaped face, dark, twinkling eyes, and short, specky hair that was a violent shade of violet. Watch her, Harry. Uh, so, that's the, that's the first time we meet Tonks. Um, I don't know, like, it's definitely not the best first mention I've come across, but it's not the worst. I don't know. Is this... It talks... The same scene where she goes, don't call me Nymphadora. So it's on, it's two pages later where she says, don't call me Nymphadora. Because Lupin is, like, introducing Harry to everybody. (laughs) Lupin is like, this is Alistair Moody, Harry. Lupin continued pointing toward Moody. Yeah, I know, said Harry uncomfortably. It felt odd to be introduced to someone he thought he'd known for a year. And this is Nymphadora. Don't call me Nymphadora, Ramus, said the young witch with a shudder. It's Tonks. Nymphadora Tonks, who prefers to be known by her surname only. So would you if your fool of a mother had called you Nymphadora, muttered Tonks. <laughs> Is that playful banter? Were we supposed to pick up on that? The learning. <laughs> it's funny, um, they both have like first names that are so revealing of their different yeah. abilities slash conditions. That is true. Okay, so Tonks is My- Myers-Briggs type pretty um pretty much consensus across the internet that she is an enfp or the campaigner i believe this was the one we used for ron which it's like the one that's been assigned to ron but i see it so much more with tonks um Mm. so the campaigner personality is a true free spirit they are, are often the life of the party but unlike types in the explorer role group campaigners are less interested in the sheer excitement and pleasure of the moment than they are in enjoying the social and emotional connections that they make with others charming independent energetic and compassionate the seven percent of the population that they comprise can certainly be felt in any crowd i think though i talked about this earlier too um i think with her patronus but like a free spirit and kind of just like everybody likes her um life of the party but also like that emotional component too where she clearly makes an effort to bond with harry and co and more so than like i think the older members of the advance guard do um yeah 
What? So I just looked up the Ron thing. So it is, um, Ron was ENFP, but on the Harry Potter Myers-Briggs, they have, like, different names for them. Yeah. And the ENFP is the champion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the names differ, but... All right, so more than just sociable people pleasers, though, campaigners are shaped by their intuitive quality, allowing them to read between the lines with with curiosity and energy. They tend to see life as a big, complex puzzle where everything is connected. But unlike analyst personality types who tend to see the puzzle as a series of system systemic machination, machinations. I can't say that word. Machinations. I think it. I think it's machinations. I think it's machinations. Who knows. <laughs> Um, campaigners see it through a prism of emotion, compassion, and mysticism, and are always looking for a deeper meaning. I feel like this, I don't know how well it fits Tonks specifically, but I just feel like it would be good traits for an aura, like seeing things as a puzzle, um, meaning that you have to like work out all the clues and piece through it and like fit everything together as opposed to just like jumping to one easy conclusion. Uh, and then also... I think approaching the job with emotion and compassion will be really valuable. Obviously, you can't be, like, too emotional, but I think oftentimes people in that sort of position just are, like, have no compassion, and that's not useful either. Yeah. Campaigners' self-esteem is dependent on their ability to come up with original solutions, and they need to know that they have the freedom to be innovative. They can quickly lose patience or become dejected if they get trapped into a boring role. And I just included this part because can you imagine Tonks working a desk job? <laughs> she would be so cranky, I feel like. Yeah, she'd be so miserable. I feel like she'd just be like, I don't know. She'd either just like be kind of like the depressed Tonks that we see mm. um, at one point during the series, or she would be like, she would just be like playing crazy pranks and stuff to like keep herself entertained yeah she'd either like overcompensate and like just be like really crazy all the time at work and be really bad at her job (laughs) or she'd just get like really down about it i feel like yeah you know The campaigner personality type needs to be careful, however. If they rely too much on their intuition, assume or anticipate too much about a friend's motivations, they can misread the signals and frustrate plans that a more straightforward approach would have made simple. This kind of social stress is the bugbear that keeps... I don't know what that saying means. (laughs) Is the bugbear that keeps harmony-focused diplomats awake at night. Campaigners are very emotional and sensitive, and when they step on someone's toes, they both feel it. I think I remember when we talked about this personality type for Ron, talking about that last sentence, the Mm. very emotional and sensitive and, like, stepping on people's toes as evidence of, like, Ron, like, or towards Ron and Hermione's relationship where they're, Mm. like, constantly bickering and upsetting each other, um, at least, like, when they're younger. But I think it fits Tonks and Remus's relationship so well. I mean, not that, like, Tonks really stepped on Remus's toes or vice versa, but just the, like, depression that they both sunk into when they wanted to be together, but Remus was holding back. Um, I think it's, like, it, it describes that so well. Yeah. Campaigners will spend a lot of time exploring social relationships, feelings, and ideas before they find something that really rings true, but when they finally do find their place in the world, their imagination, empathy, and courage are likely to produce incredible results. 
not to really bring this down, but I just <laughs> think of like the great things that would have laid ahead for Tonks if her and Remus had survived. Like, she would have been raising Teddy. She would have had like the relationship she always wanted. And then she would have been like kicking ass as an or with a ton of experience from the war. Like I feel like she would have risen through the ranks as an or very quickly, even though like she never really got the chance to be an or fully. Yeah, especially with Kingsley, like, taking over the ministry yeah. and, like, her, like, close friendship. And, like, obviously he, like, is has faith in her abilities and, like, trusts her, so. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> um, so, strengths, curious, observant, energetic, and enthusiastic, excellent communicators, know how to relax, very popular and friendly. I think those all fit pretty well. Observant, I'll point out, like, finding Harry on the Hogwarts Express. Um, and, like, just being an aura, I feel like you have to be observant in general. Weaknesses, poor practical skills, find it difficult to focus, overthink things, get stressed easily, highly emotional, and independent to a fault. I think I can see the, like, difficulty focusing overthink things we definitely see with her relationship with Remus and like the stressed easily and the highly emotional part um poor practical skills I don't know she's clumsy <laughs> I don't think that really means that and then independent to a fault I'm not sure I see because she is like the one like I feel like Remus is independent to a fault yeah it's interesting I like that I yeah I like that a lot Moving on, I'm going to talk a little bit about her role in the Second Wizarding World and, like, her work with the Order. Um, Before that, I'm going to talk a little bit about her becoming an Auror, though. So, after school, Tonks immediately entered training to become an Auror, um, which means she had to have gotten, like, pretty good OWL exam scores. I know that, like, it kind of differs per teacher because it's more, like, your OWLs determine which NEWTs you can take and then your NEWTs kind of determine what profession you can go into but since we don't see Harry, Ron, and Hermione take their NEWTs because that's what you take in seventh year right yeah um we don't really know what the scores for NEWTs to become an order are so I assume they're still high yeah but we know that like it's hard to be an order so yeah for sure um, in training, you have to pass several tests before you even, or pre-training, you have to pass several tests to, like, even enter or training. Um, and these tests are meant to measure candidates' character, practice, practical skills, and how they react under pressure. So she passed those, and then she entered her three years of training. Um, there, She's quoted in Order of the Phoenix um, saying... She excelled in disguise and concealment. She didn't even have to study for any of that because of her metamorph magi abilities. Um, but she struggled with self and tracking because we know she is a little bit clumsy. And then she eventually passed her aura training in 1994. And she did all of this kind of under the tutelage and under the mentorship of Alastair Moody. And the next year, in 1995, when Voldemort came back, she was one of the few ministry employees that actually believed he was back and joined the Order of the Phoenix and believed Dumbledore. 
Um, it's not explicitly said why she is one of those few because she kind of comes out of nowhere in Order of the Phoenix. But my guess it is, is that it has something to do with Mad-Eye Moody because he was like obviously captured. He obviously believes that Voldemort's back. So I assume that she kind of just trusts him. Mm-hmm. Um, I be- It could also have to do with like her family history, you know? She might have been like more motivated to join the fight against Voldemort because she might like feel not like responsible, but like like a duty to fight back against these people because... I like. Do you know what I mean? She yeah, like because of how they treated her mother and everything. Um, yeah. I also would say, like, I think her just being a Hufflepuff too. We, I think we talked about this on the Kingsley episode when we sorted him into Hufflepuff. Yeah. But I think that just like a sense of duty. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of Kingsley, she joined the order at the same time as Kingsley, and she worked as a spy like Kingsley in the ministry for the order to kind of like pass along information, like what the ministry was doing, what they weren't doing, and it also made it easier for like her, Arthur, Kingsley, um, or any of the other ones working. I assume that there are more order members working at the ministry, but they were. It was easier for them to guard the Department of Mysteries because. They work at the ministry, so <laughs> it's not as suspicious to have them just, like, hanging out there. So she did um, guard the Department of Mysteries a couple times. Like we mentioned before, this is when we first meet her, but she was a part of the advance guard that picked Harry up from Privet Drive and took him to Grimold Place. She also helped escort them from King's, to King's Cross at the beginning of the school year. She accompanied the Weasleys and Harry when they visited Mr. Weasley in St. Mungo's during that Christmas after he was attacked by Nagini. Um, she fought in the Battle of the Department of Mysteries. She battled her cousin Bellatrix, but Bellatrix beat her in the duel and she was severely injured and left unconscious. And this would just make me think, like, why Bellatrix didn't kill her. Like, if she knocked her out and Tonks was just laying on mm. the ground. Like, I assume it's because, yeah. like, there were other things going on and she just moved on. But, like, we hear Bellatrix, like, so many times talk about how she wants to, like, purify her bloodline. Like, her family. So it's just interesting that she didn't kill Tonks. This comes to, like, one of my bigger questions about battles and dueling. Mm. When we have a character involved in the duel that is so malicious, like Bellatrix, we're supposed to believe, like, she's not inhibited by any, like, guilt or anything, right? Or any good conscience. Why would a Death Eater, like Bellatrix, like an extreme Death Eater, ever use a spell that isn't Avada Kedavra in a duel? I don't know. Maybe they, like, maybe they're so malicious they want it to, like, last longer <laughs> and, like, be more yeah. painful. I don't know. Yeah. But I just, I don't get why they would ever use a stunning spell, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and it's not, I don't think it's clearly said that she was hit with a stunning spell and, like, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. She was left unconscious and severely injured. So Again, she might have been hit with, like, some crucio. Yeah, so, like I said, we don't really know for sure, I don't think, but it's interesting that she was just left unconscious. Right. And, like, bigger picture, it obviously makes battles more interesting if yeah. the Death Eaters aren't just throwing out a Vada Kedavra. Like, yeah. you know, like, there's gotta, we want to see cool spells, we want to see, like, 
we want to see our heroes like get hit but still bounce back which yeah can't happen with avada kedavra unless you're harry uh but <laughs> it's just like i don't know but yeah it is very interesting that bellatrix just left her unconscious yeah, and I mean, like, there's, like, a, like I said, a very simple explanation of, like, somebody else came in and, like, started doing yeah. her, like, once Tonks went down, and so, like, she didn't have the time or whatever, but, I don't know. She, um, so after Tonks was left unconscious, Bellatrix moved on to doing Sirius, and then this is when she killed him. So Tonks felt felt really guilty about that because she thought that like if she could have finished Bellatrix off Bellatrix wouldn't have been able to kill Sirius um and like we mentioned earlier there's like familial ties between all three of them (laughs) um so it just makes it even more complicated and messy but she felt really guilty about that and that's the explanation that Harry like provides himself when he sees what her Patronus is because she he just sees like a big four-legged creature he doesn't I don't know. Dogs look like wolves. Wolves yeah. look like dogs. Yeah, especially you know? like the big shaggy dog that Sirius Yeah. Um, and then after the battle, she was kept in St. Mungo's for some time because, like I said, she was severely injured. But she was able to get out and make it to King's Cross at the end of the year because, like, the Order kind of show up and, like, intimidate the Dursleys and are like, you got to be nicer to Harry. And she's there for that. So, um. So after the department, the battle of the Department of Mysteries, she was a little bit more withdrawn and more depressed, and she had more trouble controlling her metamorph magi abilities. Um, but she was tasked with protecting Hogwarts because this is post the Ministry believing that Voldemort came back. So they posted some orders in Hogsmeade, and Tonks was normally one of those. But she did end up finding her way into Hogwarts a couple times because Dumbledore was gone, and so she was just kind of like checking up on things throughout the 96-97 school year. Um, she was... Oh, go ahead. Oh, never mind. This is what you're going to say. Oh. Um, <laughs> she was on patrol in Hogsmeade the night that the Hogwarts Express came in in Half-Blood Prince, and she was the one who found Harry after Malfoy, like, Petrificus totalist him and put him under the invisibility cloak. It was not Luna, contrary to popular belief. Um, Tonks was that was um, the one who found him, and then she walks him up to the school, and like this is when she uses her Patronus, and Harry sees it and thinks it's serious. She was also patrolling the school in or Hogsmeade the night that the Death Eaters attacked. For the Battle of the Astronomy Tower at the end of Half Blood Prince, um, she was with Bill and Ramus at that point. Mm. I wonder if they stepped away from Bill at all. Um, <laughs> and then she fought at the Battle of the Astronomy Tower. She's seen like overpowering Death Eaters and stuff. I forget which one it was, but it they had a name. I did not write it down. <laughs> <laughs> and then she took part in the Battle of Seven Potters the next year and Deathly Hallows. She was paired with Ron and was acting as a protector, and she was actually the only female protector during the Battle of Seven Potters because the only two other females are Hermione and Fleur, and they were both Harry's. And she rode a broomstick. Maybe her comment 216. She then showed up for the Battle of Hogwarts after being told not to come because she had just given birth like a month yeah before question mark like a couple weeks yeah (laughs) 
like, I, granted, like, I'm sure women heal differently post-birth in the wizarding world, like, probably faster <laughs> and more effective, but to the point where, like, she probably could have stayed at home and nobody would have said anything, you know? But, like, I she think, felt like she yeah. needed to. I think it was also, like, Teddy is a newborn, like, he needs his mother. Also, like, hey, if one of us stays behind, they can't die, and Teddy will still have a parent. Should have thought about that, Tonks. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I think that there's no way that Tonks was not going to show up. Yeah. And if Remus believed for a second that him telling her not to show up was going to work, then he did not know her at all. Yeah. And she was killed by Bellatrix. This, um, that comes from an interview that J.K. Rowling did where somebody asked her who killed Bellatrix, or who killed, um, Tonks and Lupin, and she said who both of them were. So, Bellatrix killed Tonks. And she was last seen, she, like, apparated to the hogshead, went through the tunnels, like, showed up at the room of requirement, and was like, has anybody seen Remus? And yeah. she runs off. And the next time we see her, they're dead. <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of that, <laughs> I'm going to talk about her relationship with Remus Lupin. The two met while working for the Order of the Phoenix. It's not, we don't know exactly when, but sometime, probably, sometime before the advance guard shows up, right? So, it seems, they seem kind of friendly there, so maybe, like, yeah. right after, like, the end of the Triwizard Tournament, like, right after the rise of Voldemort. The resurrection of Voldemort. <laughs> the rise of Skywalker. Okay. <laughs> Wrong fandom. <laughs> so, and then I have a few, like, long passages that I'm going to read. Mostly because, so they're from JK's writing on Lupin for Pottermore. So we probably talked about them on our Lupin episode. But now that Pottermore is dead, these... <laughs> Some of these passages are in an article about their relationship on Wizarding World, but also some of them I got from, like, a, a hypable art article that had, like, copied and pasted, like, when this writing came out. So thank you to those two hypable <laughs> for preserving these. Um, so Remus, so often melancholy and lonely, was first amused, then impressed, then seriously smitten by the young witch. He had never fallen in love before. If it had happened in, the, in peacetime, Remus would have simply taken himself off to a new place and a new job so that he did not have to endure the pain of watching Tonks fall in love with a handsome young wizard in the Auror office, which was what he expected to happen. However, this was war. They were both needed in the Order of the Phoenix, and nobody knew what the next day would bring. Remus felt justified in remaining exactly where he was, keeping his feelings to himself, but secretly rejoicing every time somebody paired him with Tonks on some overnight mission. It had never occurred to Remus that Tonks could return his feelings because he had become so used to considering himself unclean and unworthy. One night, when they lay in hiding outside a known Death Eater's house, after a year of increasingly warm friendship, Tonks made an idle remark about one of their fellow Order members. He's still handsome, isn't he, even after Azkaban? Before he could stop himself, Remus had replied bitterly that he supposed she had fallen for his old friend. He always got the woman. Okay, that's weird that Remus assumes that because Sirius is, like, her first cousin once removed. Yeah. It's also weird that they don't say Sirius's name. I was yeah. like, wait, who are they talking about? 
Anyways. Uh, <laughs> at this, Tongs became suddenly angry. You'd know perfectly well who I've fallen for if you weren't too busy feeling sorry for yourself to notice. Sassy. <laughs> so after this, uh, Remus is at first, like, delighted, and then he, because he realizes that she's in love with him back mama yay um but he pulls away and does not admit to how he felt for her because he thought he was not right for her there's a quote from the book saying he he's saying that i'm too old too poor and too dangerous meaning dangerous meaning werewolf um as far as the old point he is 13 years older than her which is quite the age gap but yeah i don't know i, don't, I never not saw the it biggest that age gap ever yeah no <laughs> Um, so Tonks, as the result, becomes very depressed. She loses her metamorphic abilities <laughs> for a while and just had mousy brown hair, which is presumed to be, like, her actual appearance showing through. Um, she also confided a lot in Molly at this time, and it's, like, mentioned multiple times that Tonks was, like, at the burrow for, like, tea and conversation or something like that. And I think that's really cute. Like, Molly's such a mother figure to her. Uh, and then after the Battle of the Astronomy Tower in Half-Blood Prince, I'm going to read a little passage from there. You see, said a strained voice, Tonks was glaring at Lupin. She still wants to marry him, even though he's been bitten. She doesn't care. It's different, said Lupin, barely moving his lips and looking suddenly tense. Bill will not be a full werewolf. The cases are completely... But I don't care either. I don't care, said Tonks, seizing the front of Lupin's robes and shaking them. I've told you a million times. So this is, of course, after Bill... After Fleur proclaims that she's still going to marry Bill, even though he has been attacked by Greybeck, which we talked about on our last episode. Yeah. I also think this is the first time that, like, the reader knows is let of their, in on their relationship. Because yeah. you just know that, like, Tonks is upset. But, like you said, Harry thought it was because of Sirius. Yeah. Um, so, like, a couple months after that, maybe not even, they married quietly in the north of Scotland with witnesses from the local wizarding tavern in the summer of 1997. Um, this was right before the Battle of the Seven Potters because I think when they, like, show up at Privet Drive. She's like... Tonks is like, I gotta ring on my finger. <laughs> uh, and then Tonks was pregnant by the time of Bill and Fleur's wedding. That's, like, real fast. Because she's described as... We don't know yet, maybe. Maybe we do, but she's described as, like, very happy and everything. I think we don't know. Because then Remus flees. He, like, hits the road. He feared that his old fears were reignited, and he thought that he would pass on his lycanthropy, his werewolfness, um, and thus left, and then Tonks went to stay with her parents. And then I think Harry finds out that Tonks was pregnant when at Grimald Place, right? Yeah, I believe so. So Harry yells at Remus at Grimald Place and tells her to return to Tonks, and he does. Yeah. Okay, I have two questions. One. So, Teddy was born in March. March. Or March or April. So, what's nine months before that? Oh, it's... Why am I... Okay. <laughs> Let's say March, February, January, December, November, October, September, 
August, July. But they get married in the early summer of 97. So he either, they like got him, got pregnant with him and then they got married or like they got married and then they got pregnant with him. Like the two events are very close together. Yeah. Um, They could have gotten married in June. We don't, or when does Dumbledore die? It's end of June. Yeah. So So they get married and get pregnant with Teddy. In like a month. Between Dumbledore dying, which is like June 24th or something like that. And Harry's birthday. Isn't that one that, Battle no, of the, the Battle Seven. of Seven Potters is a little, at least a little bit before that. Because they celebrate his birthday the night before the wedding. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I think the Battle of Seven Potters is, like, a week before that, maybe? Yeah, because, like, he's so there's like a month for a little bit because they, like, prepare and, like, Molly keeps them apart. And he helps, yeah. like, prepare for the wedding. So. So there's, like, a month between those two events. That so, they, like, they got married sometime in that month and they could have gotten pregnant I actually think that Teddy's supposed to be born in April. It's after Easter. And they get caught in March. So it's like April or very late March. So I think they get pregnant with Teddy in like late July. So it might be after the Battle of the Seven Potters or like just before. Yeah. So he it says born April 1998 for Teddy. Okay. So. Interesting. <laughs> My second question is about wizarding birth control. So, mm. Ramus obviously didn't want children. Yeah. But they were obviously having sex. Yes. So, like, is it, like, in the muggle world that, like, it's all up to the woman to do stuff kind of thing? Like, not all up to the woman. Like, obviously, men can put on condoms, too. Um like you know what I mean yeah (laughs) like is there not just a spell that they do before sex to prevent a child because like why wouldn't Ramus do that you would think that they could do that although that might get into like interfering with some of the laws of magic yeah I don't know Because, like, to me, it seems like in the wizarding world, there should be, like, a 100% way to not get pregnant, right? Because it's magic. Do you think the Weasleys intended to have that many kids? Yes, because Molly wanted a girl. Oh, right, right. Okay. And you would think that there's some sort of birth control because Fleur doesn't get pregnant until well after the Battle of Hogwarts. And they have been married for, they've been married for, like, a year. Yeah. When she gets pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And are you telling me that there was no sex going on at Hogwarts? Because we never hear about Hogwarts students being pregnant. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other couples. There's got to be some form. Maybe it was, like, heat of the moment. They forgot to perform the spell (laughs) on their wedding night. And, uh, yeah. I'm just saying, like... There's also no sex education at Hogwarts, at least from what we know, yep. unless it's in seventh year, which I think is probably a little late. Yeah, it seems highly concerning that there's no sex education, especially <laughs> at a boarding school. Yeah. Their one form of it is, it's not even education, but their one form is that the boys can't go up the stairs if the girls dormitory. Yeah, but the, the girls, girls can go up the stairs if the boys dormitory. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know that we'll ever know the answer, but... Doubt it. (laughs) Anybody want to come up with some fun little stories for us about that? Like, their theories? 
Yeah, I would love to hear those theories. I've, like, seen, I've already seen the stuff online where it's, like, imagine if Snape, like, teaching sex ed, and then it's, like, a yeah, little, like, cartoon. Yeah. Like, I've seen that before. Don't send us that. Anything <laughs> new. <laughs> okay. So, back to Remus and Tonks. Um, Teddy Remus Lupin, or Edward Remus Lupin, was born just after Easter of 98, so April 1998. And was named after Tonks' father, as Katie told us. And Remus arrives at Chell Cottage to ask Harry to be the godfather. So the Battle of Hogwarts took place just a couple weeks after Tonks gave birth to Teddy, as we were talking about earlier. So Tonks was supposed to stay at her mother's. At least that's what Remus had, they had like, quote unquote, agreed on. And that's what Remus had told Harry when he showed up at Hogwarts. But... Tonks shows up, and I'll read from the book here. It says, Harry looked at Tonks. I thought you were supposed to be with Teddy at your mother's. I couldn't stand not knowing. Tonks looked anguished. She'll look after him. Have you seen Remus? He was planning to lead a group of fighters into the grounds. Without another word, Tonks sped off. And it is unknown if they ever saw each other before they were both killed during the battle. So... And yeah, Tonks was killed by Bellatrix, as Katie said, and Remus was killed by Dollahoff. Uh, yeah, I believe so. So yeah, that's their relationship. It's pretty depressing. Yeah. I know, like, I think I've talked about this before. I don't know why, like, but I think it was recently how, like, <laughs> Tonks's character kind of goes downhill when she starts dating Lupin. Yeah, I wanted to discuss that because I think a lot of people don't like... I think people in the fandom either, like, love their relationship or really don't like it. Yeah. And I I think that the people that really don't like it are, like, very big fans of Remus or, like, very big fans of Tonks. Mm -hmm. I like what it does. Like, I like the... I can't come up with the words. Like, I like the, like, plot of it. I like the Mm -hmm. arc. I like what it's showing, like, that they could have been, they could have had more time together and that, like, and the tragedy of, like, the Teddy becoming the next orphan. Yeah. The orphan of the next generation. I've never felt strongly one way or another about their relationship. I think doing this section made me kind of appreciate, like, oh, like, maybe, like, they really did make each other happy and stuff, but... I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I think I've said this before, but, like, I'm pretty indifferent about most relationships. Just yeah. Just because, like, we've said this before, but we don't read this series for, like, the romance, you know? Right. Like, it, it's nice to, like, have some and, like, see characters end up together and be happy. Um, but that's, I don't, it's not my favorite part of the series, and I don't genuinely care. For me, <laughs> I just, like... Lupin as a character, and I talked about this a little bit on the Lupin episode, like, is not my favorite. And I know why people love him. Like, he's very, like, he's a very tragic character. And he's got, like, a very tragic story. But every time I, like, see him or, like, read about him or he's in a scene, like, he just seems, like, so moody and, like, kind of overly dramatic about everything. Mm. Like, not saying he doesn't have the right to be those things. But, like, in a character, that's not what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I think that their relationship is just, like, so dramatic 
and like too much it's like yeah like I granted I've like never been in love so I don't know how much I would fight for it like if I would fight as much as Tonks did but like sitting here I'd be like sister just peace out like like a you deserve better kind of thing because Lupin doesn't like you know that saying where it's like to be in a relationship you have to like love yourself first yeah. Lupin does not love himself, and it's making yeah. this relationship so dramatic, so complicated, so difficult, so hard, like, so forced yeah. that, like, her relation, it's, like, affecting both of them. Like, it's not a very good relationship for her. Like, whether or not they love each other, it's not a very functional relationship. Yeah, just because you love someone doesn't mean you should be with them. Yeah. I also think that, like, saying that, like, Tonks deserves better, which I think is what you're getting at, is not because, like, Lupin is a werewolf. Like, it's not saying, oh, she deserves to be to be with someone that isn't a werewolf. It's, she deserves to, like, the issue with Lupin is how he deals with that. And, like, if he was a werewolf but had, like, come to accept it, which, like, he, even after, like, 30 years, he hasn't. If he had come to accept it and, like, known how to deal with it on his own, like, I wouldn't say that Tonks deserves better than Lupin. Like, I think Lupin's genuinely a really good guy, but, like, yeah. like you said, she deserves someone who, like, loves himself first. Yeah, like, when I say she deserves better, it means, like, she doesn't deserve a better person. She deserves a better relationship. Like, yeah. a more functional, more, like, loving relationship. And, again, not that they don't love each other, but, like, that doesn't make a relationship functional. Like, you need yeah. other things in a successful relationship besides just love. Right. I think I like what they could have been, like, thinking forward, you know, like, the promise of, like, Teddy not showing signs of lycanthropy and, and like, what, like, them both, like, Lupin seeming to finally, like, be happy and come to terms to himself. Like, I like what they could have been. I don't necessarily like what they were in the series. Mm-hmm. I also think one of the things that bugs me about this relationship, and I've realized this as we're, like, talking about Tonks because so much of what we're talking about is about her relationship with Lupin because that's dictated. Like that, That's what she becomes in six and That's seven. what we know. And that's what I really don't like is that she had the potential and still is, like, a very strong female character. And not to say that, like, because she's in a relationship doesn't make her still strong. But I think because she was put into this relationship or, like, got in this relationship with a character who was, like, more known than her... And it, like, was not a great, like, it was an all-consuming, not great relationship. I think that just, like, stagnated what we could have seen of her. For sure. Like, she loses all of her, like, individual personality. Like, everything we know about Tonks in order, like, is completely, like, taken away in Half-Blood and Deadly Hallows. Not only, like, does her storyline become all about Lupin, but, like, she's depressed because of Lupin. Like, she's no longer a metamorph magus because of Lupin. Like, you know, she just loses everything that made her a great character. And like I said, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but that just like ruins her character for me, the relationship. And maybe that's another reason why I don't love it because I do really like Tonks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's an interesting relationship to say the least. Yeah. And moving on to another 
disservice to Tom's. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of, <laughs> I'm going to do a little book to movie comparison. So in the book, she plays a much larger role, especially in Order of the Phoenix. She is present for a lot more events and things. And partially she's not in these events and things in the movie because most of these were cut out in the movie. <laughs> so she's at like she's at the party to congratulate Ron and Hermione for being made prefect. She's that doesn't happen in the movie, so she can't be there. Doesn't she say something like, I was never made a prefect because I couldn't follow the rules? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um I wonder if because, like, Lupin, I believe, is also there. Because, um, I like, I think this is maybe when we find out he was a prefect. Because this is before Occlumency lessons happen. He's he's probably there. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if Lupin, not that Lupin would really be the one to be super salty, but I wonder if he was salty because, like, he was Gryffindor prefect, but then James was made head boy. Like, that was always so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyways, she was part of the guard that escorted Harry to King's Cross at the, um, like towards the beginning of Order of the Phoenix when they first go to Hogwarts. This was shown in the movie, but I don't believe Natalie Tenya, the girl who plays Tonks, was present. Like, I know we see Sirius and Moody. Um, she goes with Harry and the Weasleys to St. Mungo's to visit Arthur. Again, not in the movies she's the one to help Harry on the train after Malfoy attacked him, not Luna, as mentioned before. Um, he also runs into her at least once in the halls of Hogwarts throughout Half-Blood Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also seen at the borough over the summer in Half-Blood Prince. I believe this is in Half-Blood Prince because this is when she's, like, having the tea with Molly. Um, oh, right. And isn't she at... Oh, but in the movie, she's at Christmas as well. Yeah, she is seen at Christmas. Um, yeah. And she's at Harry's 17th birthday dinner before the wedding and then at the wedding. I don't believe we see her. Like, maybe in the background. Like, other than that, I don't think we see her. And fun fact, she has four lines in Order of the Phoenix, four lines in Half-Blood Prince, five lines in Deathly Hallows Part 1, and no lines in Deathly Hallows Part 2. The only time we see her in that movie is when she's dead. Wait, when do we see her in the... Oh, at the Battle of the Seven Potters. Deathly Hallows Part 1. Yeah. yeah, that's when she's like, we have some big news. And Mada is like, save it for later. <laughs> um, so yeah, she just like becomes such a small character in the movies. Um, I wouldn't say I'm particularly mad at her portrayal in the fifth movie, at least. She has a fun hair color. <laughs> um so her hair, like I said, is supposed to be, like, spiky and violet. Um, but her hair was shoulder length. Or, no. So her hair was supposed to be, like, bubblegum pink. They talk about that a lot throughout the Order of the Phoenix. But they did not make it pink in the movies because during Order of the Phoenix, they wanted to make sure that pink was associated with Dolores Umbridge and not Tonks. So they make it kind of this, like, a magenta, like, purple. Didn't didn't you read that it was violet in the first movie? Yeah, but then they also always talk about how it's like bubblegum oh, pink, you know. Okay. Um So yeah. That's a fair reason though. Yeah, no, I'm like not like mad. I'm like I said, that. at least it's a fun color. <laughs> Cuz the rest of the movies, it's granted like she's supposed to have mousy brown hair for like half blood prints. Um 
but like in or in Deathly Hallows, she has that weird fucking mullet. Um, don't love that. There's also a lot of press photos of Natalie Tenya um, with like white hair, like white blonde hair. Um, like there's promo photos of that, but she's never seen with that hair color in the movies. So fun fact. Um, also in the movies, they show her metamorph magi abilities incorrectly. So there's that scene in Order of the Phoenix, like we mentioned earlier, where like Moody calls her Nymphadora and she's like, don't call me Nymphadora and her like hair turns red. Um, that is not how her abilities work. They don't change based on emotion. It's not involuntary. Um, she has to like concentrate and change them on purpose. Like, I guess you can make the argument that that's what she was doing in that moment. But like in the movies, it comes off very much of like, it was because she got angry that her hair turned red, which is not how it works. Um, I don't know. So overall, she got like a much smaller role in the movies than the books which is true of a lot of Order members, like Kingsley, um, like Lupin, like his role is much smaller post three in the movies than it is in the books. Um, It's like, I don't know. I don't know how mad I am about it. I think you're mad. But it's true. (laughs) Um, Also, Natalie Tanya is in Game of Thrones. She is... Asha. Asha? Osha? Osha. 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 I, sorry, I always get confused because Theon's sister in the books is named Asha. Mm. And Osha is also a character, but in the in the show they changed Theon's sister's name. Oh. Didn't they? Oh, yeah. Are that's, they... that's not her name. It's not Asha in the, in the, in the show. It's something different. They changed it, be, I think, because it was too similar. I don't know if it was... Like, I think that's why. Um, yeah, they changed it to Yara. Yara, that's right. Um, so yeah, she's in that. She was also in, if anybody's been watching The Mandalorian, she was the Twi'lek girl in the episode where they, like, break her brother out of prison. Fun fact. Um, sure. This I freaking loved. Oh, never mind. I'm jumping ahead. I still have one more point to get to. Okay. <laughs> so she's literally not in the last movies or really any of the movies. Like she has more lines on Half-Blood Prince than Order of the Phoenix, which like is weird to me. I think she has more screen time in Order of the Phoenix. Cause like we see her changing her nose at the dinner table, yeah. which isn't a line. Um, and like we see her trip over like the um, troll's foot umbrella stand in Order of the Phoenix, which like she doesn't have a line for. So I don't know. That surprised me. And she only shows up in Deathly Hollows to, like, say that she's married. And then, like, she really only shows up at the end of Deathly Hallows to die. <laughs> um, so, like, and she's just, like, relegated to such this, like, one-note character. She becomes, like, what we were complaining about, the relationship making her, like, into, like, Lupin's significant other. Like, she becomes, ev- it's even more so in the movies. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, this is what I was saying about this. I freaking loved. So, English actress Anna Friel, who had been seeing David Thewlis for, like, I guess, I don't know what it is in the United, in the UK, but, like, long enough to be considered his common-law wife, um, she auditioned for the part of Tonks, because she was like, oh, my boyfriend's Lupin, let me audition for Tonks. And, like, obviously <laughs> she didn't get it. And they broke up, David Thewlis and her broke up, and 
2010. Crap, I had it pulled up. Hold on. Um, it's either 2010 or 2015. 2010. And she is now dating Reese Efans, who plays Xenophilius Lovegood. <laughs> Or no, she really. She's not now dating him, but she dated him like directly after in 2011 to 2014. Oh, so um, also like she um, she's also an actress, obviously, because she auditioned for it. I don't think there's anything I recognize her from. Let me take a gander at her IMDb. Land of the Lost, Timeline, Goal, The Dream Begins, Limitless. That was like kind of a big movie. Um, yeah, I don't really, I'm looking at her Wikipedia. I don't recognize her. She was in, she was the lead character in Pushing Daisies. I never watched that, but. My sister watched it, I think. She was in a, she was in a short called, that was called Metamorphosis. (laughs) Fun fact. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't think I ever really watched Pushing Daisies, but I think my Maybe my mom and sister did. But yeah, so, fun fact. Wow. There's okay. lots of incest in the Harry Potter um, actors and actresses. Well, Kenneth Branagh cheated on Emma Thompson with Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, I love that. So, Gilderoy Lockhart cheated on Sybil Trelawney with Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah. And there's also just, like, a lot of, like, familial ties. It's it's an incestuous place. Because, like, speaking of Mad-Eye Moody, which we kind Moody of talked and that, Bill yeah. are their uncle and nephew. Yeah. Is it uncle and nep- nephew or father and son? No, I'm pretty sure it's oh, uncle okay. and nephew. Okay. I could... Mm, now I'm second-guessing that. Hold on. <laughs> well, let me find out. What's his name? Domin... How do you spell that? Dom... Domin Hall... Uh, Gleason. Isn't it Damon? It's D O M H A L L. So it's a Dom no. Hall. I like I don't know how you Dom Hall. It. Oh. Um Okay, so it is the son. It is son of Brendan Oof. Gleason. Good job. I got a trivia fact, right? <laughs> um I feel like there's also like something else. Like one of the young Tom Riddles is like the son or oh, the young nephew Tom of somebody. Riddle is the nephew of Ralph Fiennes. Ra- Ray Fiennes. Yep, not Ralph. <laughs> I like. I think you also Rafe, like Ray Fiennes. I don't know. Also, I tweeted about this, and we may have talked about this, but Ray Fiennes, Voldemort's oh. brother, is. In Handmaid's Tale, he's Commander Waterford. Do you watch Handmaid's Tale? No. Oh. Ray Fiennes well, was also in Shakespeare in Love. I think he was, like, the main, like, the lead in that. Oh, interesting. It's funny because he's just unrecognizable as... Let me, wait, let me fact check that before you move on. <laughs> I don't want to be incorrect. Oh, it was his brother. I knew it was one of them. So his brother's oh. the lead in. Um, Joseph Fines is yeah. the lead in. Shakespeare in Love. He's the one that's Commander Waterford. Okay, so next section is this fan theory I found on Reddit, which <laughs> the fan theory is that Nymphadora Tonks is not really Nymphadora Tonks. 
they say their reasons are that um, she's a metamorph magus and that's hereditary, but none of her parents had it. Also, that she has mousy brown hair, but her dad has fair hair and her mom has dark hair like Bellatrix. (laughs) And she was a member of Hufflepuff, but she doesn't seem like a Hufflepuff because she's clumsy and because she says that she was not couldn't be a prefect because she didn't follow the rules. So they're saying she they're saying that she got replaced. Somebody replaced the real tongs between her being sorted and her like finishing Hogwarts. Like a more a metamorphagus metamorph magus replaced it's complete bullshit, so we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> it's on very, very little evidence. So, Interesting. Good to know. <laughs> okay, so for the where are they now section, um, Tonks's ten foot in the grave, is that what the, is that what the saying is? Like six feet six under. Six feet under. Um, she's dead. Um, her son is still alive, Edward Teddy Tonks. Um like Audrey mentioned, Edward Teddy Tonks. Edward Teddy Tonks. Um, Edward Teddy Remus Tonks. No, I'm not going to say the full name. That's too much. Um, he is godson to Harry. He goes around to the Potters for dinner, where they say like four or five times, three or four times a week. He he lives with her mom. He, yeah, he lives with Andromeda though, and like I assume she's like kind of the one who raised him, and like Harry's just kind of like the fun uncle that he can go hang out with, because like their age difference is not very much. It's like seventeen years. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you were just thinking or allowing me to speak. Oh no. But one thing that we have not talked about on this episode that I want to mention is that Andromeda Tonks is, like, a really, really cool character, and I want to know so much more about her. For sure, yeah. Because, like, she was raised by the same people that raised Narcissa and Bellatrix. She's the middle sister. It's not even, like, she's, like, years later. Like, it's Bellatrix is the oldest and Narcissa is the youngest. And she married Ted Tonks and, like, got disowned by the family. But, like, how did she come out so good? We know that she's very good at household spells. <laughs> Tonks says that in Order of the Phoenix when she's trying yeah. to help Harry pack. She's like, my mom can do it really good, but mine always just ends up looking messy or something when she's trying to fold clothes. <clears throat> but yeah, she seems like a very interesting character. Like, I would love to have gotten, like, kind of like a Pottermore writing on her. For I sure, yeah. Gonna happen, but. Um, we also know that Teddy has a little something something with victoire weasley so um there's like a quote in the wiki that was like i thought was really weird it was like teddy might eventually become a part of the family that like tonks herself was so close to i was like okay like (laughs) teddy's i would say that teddy's closer to like the potters and the weasleys than tonks ever was like if he grew up close with molly though yeah but like teddy was like yeah. practically like half raised by Ginny and harry and like i assume yeah. like ron and hermione kind of too and like proud and like they talk about um how like james wants teddy to move in to their house like yeah. they're like brothers basically i don't know i just thought it was weird because like i i would think that teddy probably ends up being like closer to harry than tonks was to harry 
you know. Yeah, yeah, just by time. Yeah. But yeah. And he, oh, sorry, okay. one last thing. He did inherit the metamorph magi abilities. Yes. Okay. So, the cocktail. The Archie Thomas's cocktail for Nymphadora Tonks is entitled a metamorph magus and it is a shot it says although traditionally called a cockroach in the harry potter universe this cocktail is known as the metamorph magus because after downing it your face will contort into all kinds of unusual positions you didn't realize it could go this cocktail or this shot one and a half parts gold tequila one part coffee liqueur you pour in the coffee liqueur and then you layer the tequila on top and then if you're brave you light the tequila on fire (laughs) and then you down it in one doesn't that sound disgusting yes like i cannot imagine because like tequila has that like tequila taste obviously yeah and like i can't imagine that tasting very good with coffee or like a thick cream like i don't know what Hi, my name is Larry, and I'm a Slytherin. My name is Justin, and I'm a Slytherin. And together we host the Here's Johnny podcast, where we take a look at horror movies, TV shows... Oh, and games. We also have had amazing guests on the show that are directors, producers... And don't forget writers, Twitch streamers, and other podcasters. Yeah, and you can also check out our show every Monday. Just search Here's Johnny Podcast on your podcast app of choice. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast. We are sure you will find an episode you will love. Maybe just like Ollivander's wands, an episode will pick you. Pop quiz time. Um, if you had to be a potter in the Battle of the Seven Potters, which protector would you want to be paired with? So the options are Lupin, Tonks, Moody, Haggard, Bill, Arthur, or Kingsley. I think, or as I wrote, Kingsley. <laughs> Kingsley's. Um, I wrote, no, I didn't write that. I think that I would either want Tonks because she would like, I think, keep it light. And I also would trust her with my life or maybe Bill. Cause he's like a badass. True. I feel like my first instinct would normally be to choose Moody, but obviously that doesn't end up well for him. Yeah. Um, also, no. like, if you think about it more strategically, kind of like the Death Eaters thought about it, like, he would be the, the one under the most fire, because they would be exactly. like, he's the best. It's too obvious of an answer. So I think yes. I'd go Kingsley, because, like, I think he's an awesome wizard. Like, I've, obviously, he's, like, portrayed as, like, very powerful. Yeah. And he's, like, really nice, too. Like, I, he, I think he's just, like, super, like, sweet. Like, he's just... Like, and, like, I, comforting. Yeah, like, I think he's just a sweet guy. Yeah. I think Kingsley would be up there in my choices. I thought the same thing about Moody, and then I kind of, like, used that logic for Kingsley, where, like, I feel like Kingsley is, like, the next, like, kind of highest, held in the highest esteem, so. Who's with Kingsley? Hermione. Hermione. Yeah. So I, like, I think for, like, I feel like Tonks and Bill would be underestimated by the Death Eaters just because, like, they're younger and they don't really know them that much. And also I would really trust them. Arthur, he's, like, a very capable wizard and, like, a good wizard, but, like, he can be kind of, I don't know, not untrustworthy. Like, he's certainly trustworthy in, like, 
bad situations, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I might not want them. And Hagrid, I wouldn't want to be in the motorbike. I would want to be on a broom. Wait. And Lupin would just be too depressing. So is one, is one of the twins with Lupin? So one of the twins is with Lupin and one is with Arthur then. Because Ron is with yes. Tonks. Yeah. Dung is with Moody. And then Harry's yeah. with Hagrid. And then Fleur's with Bill. Yeah. The one that's with Lupin is the... Is... George. George, yeah, because he's the one Because who George gets hit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think right. that also with Arthur, I feel like I would feel so much more pressure to, like, protect him as well. Just because he's, like, the father. Like, he's yeah. just, like, this... Like, losing Arthur... Not that, like, losing any of them has less consequences than losing the other one, but, like, Moody doesn't have kids or a wife, but Arthur has, like, seven kids and a wife. Like, I don't know. I, like, I feel like I would feel, like, too much pressure that I have to also, like, be protecting Arthur. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Our episodes come out every other Tuesday. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter as Wizard Studies. You can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for episode ideas or pop quiz questions, um, you can contact us on any of those platforms. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot.